Welcome to another powerful teaching from Dr. Todd J. Pulliam, pastor of One Accord Church. Now, uh, this is necessary to keep us focused and to keep our hunger. This is a fabulous lesson because basically, uh, if I were to entitle it, it would, it, would ha- it would be how to keep my hunger on. Um, how, how do I keep my drive? How do I stay real? How do I stay in it for Jesus? All right, so let's go to work, Christians. Second Peter chapter number three. And, and I, I've got all kinds of notes here. And so you're going to get some of my prayer notes. And some, this is, some of this is prayer institute information, but uh, a good bit of this is going to be from all kinds of sources because it's from my personal life and uh, mixed in with prayer institute and all the other stuff that the Lord's been dealing with me on and talking with me uh, about. Second Peter chapter number three. Our God is good, isn't he? Now, here, here's the thing about it. When, when, when you grow dull, you don't have to stay dull. Well, let me say that again. When you grow dull, you don't have to stay that way. There's, there's nothing worse than to try to cut with a dull knife. Um, you, you know, you actually can place yourself in danger working with a dull blade as opposed to, yes, a sharp blade is dangerous, but it's more effective. It's more user-friendly to those who are learned in its use. A dull blade is dangerous. And the Bible teaches you to sharpen. You know, uh, another scripture that says iron does what? Sharpens iron. All right, and so you ought to be able to use each other's pursuits of the presence of the Lord to make one another sharp. Uh, and, uh, okay, so when I'm... when when as, as I'm teaching this, I can, I can sense that uh, in, in the body of Christ as a whole, there, there is the, the challenge of, do I have to always suppress my feelings versus, you know, uh, my spiritual, or for my spiritual growth, or how come I can't? make this choice? How come I can't make that choice? How come I can't just do this or, or go do that? Um, you know, I'm, I'm an individual. God gave us free will agency, the right for man to make what? Choices. Uh, so how come I can't? And, and, and that frustration starts to build. Dole, dole starts to show up, uh, very simply put, when sharpening isn't showing up. This is, this is not rocket science. You know, if, if I don't sharpen uh, the blade, then dull takes over. Time will do it alone. Also, the constant usage of a blade without adding in the sharpening will cause it to grow dull as well. All right, praise the Lord. Second uh, Peter three. This is good stuff, and we want to look at verses nine and ten. The Lord is not slack 
concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All right? So we're starting off with the, the, the first thing we, we've got to make clear is we're personally responsible for maintaining our momentum. That is not the Lord's responsibility. That is ours. We're personally responsible to maintain our hunger, to be connected to him. And then we're personally responsible to be wise enough to run back to him. There is no penalty for running back to Jesus. What you say? There is no penalty, even if you have fallen and you're running back to Jesus, there's no penalty. I cannot wait for the complete church to get away from the sin consciousness that we often live with. There is no wrong or penalty because you run back to Jesus. Safest thing you can do. You can't get it right, run back to Jesus. If you've fallen, run back to Jesus. If something that is unclean has attached itself to your life, tell me, trust me, I know all about this. You run back to Jesus to loose it from your life. Amen. You run back to him. This is good stuff. If you get off track, you run back to him. If you can't get answers and you, you hit this season where you can't hear him and you can't make out where, where you ought to go uh, or, or figure out how, how in the world can I get my bearings together, run back to him and restart. Praise the Lord. When I travel, um, I know I'm, I'm not the best on, on maps and things. I like old-fashioned maps because then I can... I can find out my starting point or where I am and work my way as opposed to um, people say, put this in the little gadget, gadget, your phone or whatever, and it'll give you directions and, and, and so forth. I, I used to believe in that, and then I got down in Atlanta, and I got inside of the airport, and, and I was following the directions, and I kept doing a circle. And, and uh, everyone was frustrated with me because I was taking everybody with me in this circle. And we were following the directions on the T. The actual streets make this turn and make that turn until we found out that we had to reverse everything that we were being told and do it exactly opposite. And we ended up at our destination. I said, wow. But now I got my little map thing together. And I looked and I said, well, if I start here, right there on the map, it shows where I would have seen that the machine was wrong had I looked at it because I could have seen my actual starting point. I'm boring you, but I need you to just stay with me for a minute. What you do when you get lost is go back to where you started. Because that's your original starting point. 
That'll help you understand where you currently are and where you're trying to go. Glory to God. Now, uh, verse 9, 2 Peter 3, is saying that I know that the verses say that Jesus will soon return, and it looks as if this isn't going to happen. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for his return, and we've been waiting and waiting and waiting on justice. So we say we might as well just live life. I might as well, because to stay focused on Christ is not paying off because I'm not seeing what was promised to me. Verse 9 says, be careful. God is not slack concerning his promise the way you count it to be slack. That verse is saying, I suggest, ladies and gentlemen, that whatever he's promised you, you still should believe in it as you always have. Because if he promised it, it's, it's sure to be done. I believe God is so powerful that I believe God will create a world if he needs to for me to receive what he's promised me. <laughs> I would, come on now, I'm, 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 I'm talking to you about strengthening your faith. And, and, and you got you to stay away from all the confusion. You got to stay away from all the silliness and quit listening to the reports of those that have not received, to those who have not experienced to those who have not crossed the line. You, there's nothing that they have in a report that you need to put on the same level as God's report. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right? But here's the scripture says, the actual reason that there's a delay on his return is because of his long suffering. My constant thing that God has given me for the last two weeks has been, well, ask me about it. Lord, how come? Well, ask me. I'll tell you. And I've been telling people, go and talk to him. Ask him. Why is this this way? What would we do about that? How come this is arranged the way that it is? This just doesn't seem right for anyone who believes. And you talk to him about it because it could be long suffering on his part to protect you from something you can't see because you're not ready for what you're asking for. Praise God. Or it just could be that his timing is different from yours. We have this idea that once we pray to God, it's like a command. I pray to you. I'm expecting you to do it just the way I said it when I said it. This is a balance to what I'm always teaching. I'm a faith man down to the core of my being, and I will never change from that because the just shall live by faith. 
But understand there is a balance in your walk. And always let your walk be greater than your achievements. Praise the Lord. All right. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Now, what is he saying? Okay, here, let me just rehearse again what's going to happen. The previous verse, I just told you that, hey, don't give up on what God has said. It's still going to come to pass. All the promises of God in him, which means that you can find in a word, are yes and amen. Some of the teaching we've been doing we're dealing with um, uh, uh, mental you know, warfare and dealing with matters of the heart has been uh, that a heart you know, uh, that is heavy or wounded is difficult to, to deal with. If something, something happens, you just never expected it to happen. And, and you recognize that your heart is wounded. Well, what is a wounded heart? Well, it's difficult to free oneself from uh, the results of a wounding, uh, the, the depression, the oppression of the enemy, the uh, suppression of joy, uh, the discouragement that exists, uh, disappointment that comes, uh, and, and really your mind just goes to work in overtime. Your spirit's ready to rescue, but your mind is trying to impose itself. And because, because your spirit is wounded, it isn't up to, uh, it isn't up to standard to, to war and, and, and suppress or silence the mind, you know, or, or to say, hey, go to the word and renew your mind real quick. The word is a, is a mind silencer. Let me say this again. The word is a mind silencer. When you feel like your thoughts are getting out of control, don't panic, don't worry, find a verse. <laughs> Glory to God. Find a verse. And, and it will supernaturally uh, cause a change to take place. Oh, praise the Lord. Matthew chapter number six. So now we know the promises of God are still going to come to pass. All right, so now what do we do? Jesus taught us to pray. And beginning at Matthew 6 and 5, uh, sir, can you go get those for me? Uh, verse 5 says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Surely I send you, they have their reward. Uh, and, and so uh, I think today we're getting countless examples of what Jesus said do not do uh, as being legitimate examples of prayer. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is fellowshipping with God. Now, we're all very learned in this, but in being learned, treat it as if it is the first time you have ever heard it so that you will embrace the sincerity of it. Amen. Uh, uh, so thank you. Um, so Jesus says, well, let me talk to you about praying. So when you stand um, in the synagogues or wherever you are, don't try to be a show-off. 
when you're praying. That's not a sincere prayer, he says. That's, that's not real. Don't try to show everyone where you are. Amen. Now, there's nothing you can do in the sanctuary because prayer is such a big part of who we are and what we do inside the household of faith, inside the house of the Lord. Amen? All right, so uh, you're not being a show-off because you stand up here because I'm requiring whoever is leading the sanctuary to stand here in a position of leadership and lead because, you know, God loves order, amen, and lead the believers in prayer. So, but this says, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. He says, surely I say unto you, they have their reward. And basically what God is saying, that if you want to show off in your worship, then your reward is your show off. Your reward is that everybody's going to think that you got it together and you're really together. And, 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 but God knows better. That means that it is very possible that you could go your entire lifetime in full deception. Thinking that because you do things a certain way, that you are holy when you are not. Expecting something from God with great expectation, but not receiving it, and then growing frustrated and confused. But the issue was how you did it and why you did it. But this doesn't mean that prayer has to be something that you cover up. If I'm inside of the restaurant and they serve me food, I am the fool if I do not pray. Did you catch that? Because even though I'm inside of the restaurant and people are around, I, I don't know what people are dealing with uh, behind the, the counter. I am not to suspect the worst because, you know, what did Job say? The thing that I fear the most has come upon me. Most people who work behind there are decent, really clean, good, hardworking people. And so, but nevertheless, what's in the air? Right? What, what's on a person's life that they haven't even told their boss about? You know, so these are not crimes. This is a wickedness. This is what we now have to consider to be what? Life. So it's my responsibility to bend my head or however I want to do it, or openly, with my eyes open, pray, because praying with your eyes closed does not make your prayer more holy. The, the Bible even teaches you to watch and pray. So there ain't nothing wrong with praying while you look around to see what's going on, you know, and you ask God to bless, or you, by faith, bless your food. And you speak over it, and you call it good nourishment and unharmful to your body. It's up to you to say that no bad bacteria or whatever is going to come to my life today. This stuff is going to be good for me. You know, people say, well, it's just got all, don't tell me what it's got in it. I made a choice to eat it, and now I'm pronounced that it's going to be good for me. So what you can't see is that the Lord turned it all into protein and turned it all into nutrients and the good stuff for me. Well, and the church said, amen. I know you all may not agree with that, but this is good teaching tonight. Hallelujah. All right, so because when you're praying by faith, 
You, you have to believe that it's turned into whatever you need it to be to minister to your body at that moment. There's some people who travel so fluently, they're not able to always get a home-cooked meal and a safe meal. They are not always able to find healthy things depending upon where they are. That's why your prayer life is necessary. Oh, what you talking about? Amen? Glory to God. All right, so let's, uh, let's stay right here in Matthew 6 and verse 6 now. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Actually, what Jesus is preaching here to you, he's not saying don't pray in church. He's, he's not saying don't pray in the spirit when you're standing out somewhere. What he's really teaching you is to develop a lifestyle of prayer. And this is something that has grown absolutely dull in the church. Here's some notes that the Lord gave me. And if he gave these notes to me, and pardon me for feeling like I have some sense of rapport with him. He says, <laughs> what you have accomplished is a joke compared to where you should be. That's a very strong statement. He says this while he's talking to me about the pursuit of his presence and practicing his presence. Yeah, you're, 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 you're praying, but you're not praying the way you used to pray. You're not fasting like you used to fast. You're, you're not in your word. And, and he, he brought to my memory, he says, when you were younger, Todd, and you had even more to do, you would get up every morning at about 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock, and you'd be in my word for at least one hour. You'd be in prayer. And then off you go to work. After work, son, you drive three hours north, preach the gospel. Then you drive three hours south, come back home, and then you would stay up to about two in the morning. He says, you were sleeping about three hours a day, and I sustained you. Well, I tell you, I got a little older and, and, and thought I went somewhere and, and found out I ain't went nowhere. Well, you think that you're really going somewhere, but you, you find out later that the more you slowed down, the more you became dull in your pursuit of his presence, the less ground you made. Constant communication with me will keep you on the cutting edge. I'm boring half. But I'm praying you grasp what I'm sharing with you. It'll, it'll keep you on the cutting edge. As Dr. Barkley would say, razor sharp. The enemy won't want to come near you. What I'm looking at amongst the saints is drama, distractions, things. Go to, let, me, let me show you what I mean. Go to Mark 4. I, I just want to show you. You Bible scholars are probably already knowing where we're heading. Maybe not, I don't know. Okay. Mark 4. Verse 11, and he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, another way to say that is on the outside, 
All these things are said in parables. Why? Because the seeing they may not see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven. Basically, Jesus was saying they would not have an appreciation for this, and so I'm not sharing it with them. Okay? All right, then it goes on to say, and he said to them, Know ye not this parable? How then will you know all these parables? The sower soweth the word. You see that? Now, a sower is one who is a consistent deliverer of seed. They wake up to sow, and they spend the day sowing. Oh, come on. And then they go to sleep thinking about the harvest. But, you know, the, the, the sower, who also is the reaper, uh -oh, is consumed with the process. Hallelujah. The sower, sow of the what? I can't hear you. The word. Verse 15. And these are they by the wayside. Uh-oh. So now he's going to say, here are the various grounds of the hearts of humanity. We cannot run through this tonight and disregard what the Lord's about to say. This is very, very important. All right? It says here, and these are they, verse 15, by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now listen, that's not just the scriptures they read, that we read. It's not just the messages that we hear preached or taught. It also contains, this, this is referring to prophetic words that have been spoken over your life. It is even referring to words spoken over your life to enhance and to support your promotion. Your advancement in the kingdom. And when, when I look out, not, not just at pastors and other ministries, but even when I look out here, I'm, I'm just watching, I'm watching as we get dull and we get dull. And it's coming down to just Sunday and maybe some Sundays. I'm not talking about vacationers. No, no, no. I'm talking about just overall. And I'm not talking about people who work. I'm talking about overall. We're getting dull because it's coming down to just this. Just I can make this. This, this is what I can make. If I were giving away gold, no one of the 400 plus or whatever, however many members, no one would miss the service. We wouldn't be able to get everyone inside the doors. Now, now hear me, beloved, because this is not about attacking people because they don't come to church. I think that's unfair because that's where the bully pulpit comes in. That's not, that's not what I'm attempting to do here but I've got to provide some clarity in my teaching so you know how to win and how to turn yourself and take the rudder of your ship and turn you around. Come on, somebody. You know, so you don't get lost. Because once you're lost, when it's over, it is over. You can't say, Lord, 
when you've reached the end of your days, you cannot say, Lord, can I have a second shot? This is it. It is the enemy's job to distract you, to deceive you, to turn you off course, to take your fire and put it out while you watch. What are you talking about? It's the enemy's job to wound you so you don't have pursuit or resolve in your life. And you can't finish because you're disgusted, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're upset, you're wanting justice and it didn't come fast enough. But you, it, somehow you've lost sight that justice came when you were saved. Because you could be without salvation and still encounter those things and still get no justice as far as you see it. Praise the Lord. Now, so the wayside people, they, they hear the word, but Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And there's so many ways that he can do that. that I mean, sometimes it happens right in the service. Right when I'm teaching and, and I say something that somebody doesn't like. And immediately, ooh. Uh. But that's why we talk dealing with matters of the heart. So that you cannot place such an emphasis and great value on your feelings. Oh, praise the Lord. And you will place, place it on, on the leadership of your spirit over your entire being. I have to always watch my feelings. Because I have to pastor so many different people with different personalities. And, and I can't be a good pastor just on Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. I, I have to be. I, the other day, um, I am so far behind on my phone calls. So I got city council people mad. I got all kind of folk mad. You know, you, you, they call me now. You, you're supposed to I, forgive me. I, I, don't, I don't like excuses. So I don't give them excuses. I don't say, well, let me tell you, this is what happened. I don't have time for all that. I say, oh, man, pardon me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Just, you know, I'm going to catch it up. Oh, I know you're working hard, but I ain't working too hard to talk to you. You know, that's, that's healing them and open up the opportunity for me to still pour the oil and the wine in when it's time. Same thing in here. And one brother, he, he, he's not very consistent. But he wanted to hear, and he sent word, and he wanted to hear from me. And, uh, and so um, I didn't make the call. So the Lord convicted me. Well, th that was a great sign for me, and I wept, because I felt like I got back to the place where the Lord could convict me in my spirit to, to do the base thing for people, even if they are not the most consistent. I, I hope you catch what I'm saying. And so I called the brother and I said, I'd just like to apologize to you. I don't even have enough time to talk, but I got enough time to repent. I said, is that going to do anything for you? He just laughed and said, man, pastor, just to hear your voice is crazy. This is great. You ain't got to repent to me. You ain't got to say you sorry. The Lord said, yes, you did. I'm glad you did, son. Because what you hear out of his voice is the joy and relief that there's something in the gospel, in the kingdom, that still makes sense. 
So the Lord had to get me back to a place where my heart was fleshy enough, right? You may want to write that down. Lord, let my heart be fleshy and tender enough. Where he can do something with me and allow me to be used by him to reach somebody that he desperately wanted to reach because I think we misunderstand God. I, I think we think God gives up on people and he's done. God goes all the way to the end of their time trying to reach them. All the way. You, you and I, we give up on people. Uh-uh, I done invited him to church a hundred times. And he know what's good for him. Life all messed up. And then he wants me to pray for him. He says, I ain't going to pray for him. No, no, no. God sits on the edge of his throne believing that today is the day that that brother or that sister is going to explode in pursuit of his righteousness. That's how great his faith is. And that's how much he loves us. Amen. I mean, when you get... Thank you for listening to another teaching on the Dr. Ty J. Pulliam podcast. We call you blessed.